Corner 3 Podcast, weekly tales of the NBA's hardwood from the suburbs of Cincinnati. Check us out at thecorner3.net. Hey guys, it's time for another excellent installment of the Corner 3 Podcast, the Christmas edition this week, as in our first time in our show's history, we get to talk NBA Christmas Day games. So ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's edition of the show. Tim Dan here as always with our excellent crew, Alex Derrickson. Yippee-ki-yay, Mr. Falcon. And Sean Mackey. Hey, what's going on, guys? So, yes, we're going to have our great day where we celebrate our, t- our, our Merry Christmas in the NBA. Or, uh, in the case of our beloved Chicago Bulls, uh, this is going to be a Festivus outing. So, either way, you know, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna air our grievances out loud today on the Chicago Bulls, I'm sure. Could, could always do. And talk about the NBA and what we love the most about it. So, guys, if I could, I will go ahead and start this week with who you're loving. And I'm going to go a little off from what we normally do when we talk about these guys coming up. We talked about before we came on air. I know we have a long, long time before the next NBA draft, but we're seeing these kids come together. And I'm going to talk about Malik Monk, the freshman for the, oh, it pains me to say, Kentucky Wildcats, has a crazy game against North Carolina this week where he drops 47. Uh, and a draft class that's going to be very deep and a lot of picks, and we don't know where they're going to be. Um, a lot of things to look forward to, and so far this guy, along with guys like Markel Fultz of Washington, his own teammate the Aaron Fox, Lonzo Ball of UCLA, Harry Giles at Duke, we're starting to see a very young and exciting core group of the NBA coming in uh, for this upcoming draft. Oh, yeah. So, the other <laughs> thing about that is, you know, I want to bring that up because the youth movement of the NBA is coming in. If you look at the stats, the top 13 scorers in the league are all under 25 years old. So the NBA is going crazy with this youth movement. Well, and that's kind of the cool thing, too, because I know there was an interview uh, after a Wolves game. It was a post-game interview with Tibbs, and he they asked him, you know, about the, how the season's going, and he mentioned that they have, you know, like two or three players like that are under the age of 25 that are averaging over 20 points a game. Yeah. And it's just kind of like, yeah, like, I'm fine with what we have. We'll get to everything else. And, I mean, yeah, there's definitely a a huge youth swing happening in the NBA. I love that Tip says that, but then you'll watch the game, and it's nothing like that. He's like, they're like up 12, and he's like, oh, god damn it, why'd you take that shot, Wiggs? He's no nonsense, man. <laughs> yeah. He is. I love it. All right, Alex, follow me up, man. What, what are you loving right now about the game right now? I am actually going to go with Greg Popovich. He, as we all know, uh, the passing of Craig Sager occurred last week. Uh, But the Spurs have their game in Houston tonight, and he actually flew uh, to Atlanta to attend the memorial. Yeah. And I thought that's, I mean, I always speak highly. I think we all have about Popovich and stuff like that. But it's always cool to see stories like that pop up uh, and, and, you know, it's kind of somber occasions like this and, and see the individual that is see i mean obviously you know we, we can touch on the record shot i don't mean to cut you off by any means um we didn't get a chance to talk about sager obviously because we recorded before pass i know we touched on it in the opening of our episode last week and yeah you're, you know it is definitely it definitely sucks because he was definitely larger than life you know a lot of people remember the suits but the fond memories the great interviews and popovich was like the top of that obviously well besides kevin Gardner, i think the kevin Gardner one might be my favorite ever uh with telling sure. him to burn the seat but yeah, the Popovich-Sager relationship was fantastic, where Sager would, like, at times ask him those extremely long questions, and Popovich would just go, no. Or you had, like, you know, the moments where, like, when Sager came back and Popovich was like, 
this is the first time I've ever actually enjoyed doing this, so I'm glad we're doing this with you. It was it was awesome, you know. And, um, you know, I'm glad to see that Popovich, you know, is still extending that feels out there for him for sure. Yeah, I, it's just, I mean, like I said, it's a testament to you know, a what kind of person Popovich is, what kind of person Craig Sager was. Uh, it's it's those kinds of stories in in those kinds of times where it's always they're always nice to read, kind of get some uplifting news in there. Yeah, absolutely. So that was that was really cool. Ernie Johnson's speech was like crazy good today too. I don't know if you saw the clip or not. It was... I haven't yet. That is one thing I do need to cover. Yeah. And get on. My, uh, I guess my my the the high high point of basketball this week for me, or who I'm loving. I know it's another easy one, but I'm going to go with Hassan Whiteside because he has been playing out of his mind this last week. He's been crazy good. Uh, the Heat have not been crazy good, but <laughs> which is which is kind of a running theme of all of my who am I loving guys. It's always good guy, bad team. Uh, but the last few games, he's had over 15 rebounds each game, and uh, you know he's scoring. You know, he had one game where he had 26 and 22, which is absolutely insane. He had 11 and 17 game, and then a 23 and 17 game. So, and I mean, he's averaging, you know, 2.3 blocks this season. So, I mean, he's, it's amazing to think how far he came because he was like drafted, you know, went down to the D League and has totally carved a niche out for himself and uh, got a really good contract. So, I, Good for Son Whiteside, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's been the best player on that team, and it hasn't been close. Um, it hasn't been close. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't know what's going to happen with that team in the future because Justice Winslow is a nice player, but I don't think he's developed like many thought he would. No. Um, and no. Goron, I think we talked about him a little bit last week. Like, he has some games when he is unbelievable where he looks like he could be like point guard Dan Bartley. And then he has other games where he is not good at all. And it's kind of up and down for the most part. Yeah. Well, and I think we touched on it when we did our season preview that the heat were going to struggle because this was a roster that was built. I think still with the idea of Chris Bosch still being equipped and Dwayne Wade and, yeah, I mean, but losing Wade, they still could kind of, like, bounce back from that with, with Bosch because of, you know, Bosch is great. But I think when they lose that, then, yeah, the offense runs on Drogic and Whiteside, and that was something I think we totally hit on that was just like, yeah, they're going to struggle because they're down, like, an obvious hole they didn't plan for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that, that that plays a part there. Um, They don't have any bench either, and that's the other part that kind of shocks me is, like, you know, even those LeBron, Bosch, Way teams, I know they didn't have much money to spend on bench, but they still found a way to make it work. Granted, that's a lot of, like, veterans wanting to ride the coattails for a title. Right, Ray Allen? Right, Mike Miller? But, you know, <laughs> they still made it work. And that's, you know, that was, that's what kind of shocked me about that Miami team is, yeah, you know, like Sean said, it's Whiteside and everybody else on that team. Lottery! Yep. <laughs> Um, I want to touch on this real quick. Another team that's really hot and going crazy right now. I know I talked a little bit on last week, and I know they lost this week to Cavs, to the Cavs, and then beat the Cavs without the Cavs, basically. Uh, Memphis. Memphis Grizzlies are on fire. They're very good. They are awesome. And I think that they could really be a threat in the West if they keep this whole thing going. 
Mike Conley's played really well since he came back. We already know what we're going to get from Mark and Saul. Might see the other night when he shot like one of seven. Um, Vince Sanity's leading a pretty decent uh, bench core there. He's having an okay year off the bench for this like little bit. So it's been a pretty crazy group for the Memphis Grizzlies so far. I'm loving it. Yeah, I mean, we've kind of hit on how Memphis was good, but they were struggling without Mike Conley and everything, too. Memphis is kind of, I feel like they're like B-spurs. Yeah. Where they're just that team that's always good, they're always kind of dangerous, but they're not quite as like consistently great as the Spurs. They're the good, not great Spurs. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. And that takes us to things that aren't fun in the NBA right now, and... That can be also be in that same group there of things that, you know... I'm going to go ahead and start, guys. I know it's easy to say because they just played our beloved Chicago Bulls. But the Detroit Pistons are not good at basketball. And Stan Van Gundy does not help their cases. So the reports come out yesterday that the Bull, that the Pistons, before their game, had a team on, a, a players-only meeting to try to get things back on the right track. You know, trying to get things going, trying to get a, you know get get everybody on the same page, trying to make a run at this thing because let's be honest, they're in the East. If they can go, if they can string some wins together, they could be back in it. The third and the ninth seed in the East is decided by like two games right now, for God's sakes. So, yeah, all right. And then Stan Van Gundy decides to come out and say that that shit doesn't mean anything. All that matters is who's on the court. Is he right? Yeah, sure. But at the same time, I kind of felt like he was belittling his players. I understand the motive he was trying to go for. But on a team that's already, you know, got maybe two, three good players you can talk about all the time and two or three guys you can build off of, but just kind of shit on what they're trying to do to try to get this thing on the back track. SVG, I'm not digging you, buddy. Not digging you at all. He's just mad he wasn't invited to the party. Probably. That's usually what happens to Stan Van Gundy. He doesn't get invited <laughs> to the party, and, and then he finds out he's fired. <laughs> or he finds out that he has to go spend time with his family, like <laughs> Pat Riley made him do <laughs> 10 years ago. <laughs> I totally uh, forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, that was so suspicious. Like, like that press conference was, like, the most suspect thing I ever saw because he was – it was, like – it was, like – Pat Riley had a gun pointed at his balls underneath that conference room table when they were giving that, that, oh, yeah, I've really got to, you know, I just want to take some time off and, you know, spend some time with my family. Even though the next year I think he was coaching again or, like, a year and a half later he was coaching the Magic. Yeah. I mean, it there was, was Dwight that, Gate. Then there was Dwight Gate where Dwight – didn't he definitely didn't go to management about him and tell him that he wanted him fired and then still asked to be traded and then yeah that was Stan Van Gundy has kind of gotten the shaft he's a good coach he's a really good coach I like him and uh, you know I don't understand why the Detroit Pistons aren't good right now I don't get it I mean it's it's youth obviously but like they they should be good by now you know they got rid of Greg Monroe which which was fine. Mm -hmm. They, you know, I don't think they really needed him. Um, but they've, they've made some decent trades over the last few years mm -hmm. and they got Reggie Jackson. I know he's coming back from injury, but he's good. Uh, Catavius Codwell Pope, damn good player. Yep. I mean, it's, uh, you know, Marcus Morris is good. Uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's really not a bad team and I don't, I don't know how you fix it. So I, we'll see. But right now, they are a dumpster fire. Yes. You like that term, don't you? I love dumpster fire. 
<laughs> All right, so if you want to top it off, Sean, who are you not loving in the NBA right now? What's 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 grinding your gears? <laughs> Clint Capella's injury. <laughs> Tell me about it. God, yeah. Okay, the Rockets have won ten straight. I don't know if you've noticed. That's it's probably like the most quiet ten game win streak I've ever seen. But they're doing damn good right now. You know, he's mm-hmm. their starting center. So, you know, I, they're going to move Nene into the, the starting spot. We'll see if he can do it. But I, he's really kind of anchored them this year. He, I've, I've been really impressed by him. And I, I know I mentioned him a few weeks ago. Alex, you have, him, you're on, you have him on your fantasy team, don't you? Yes, I do. Well, you do. did. I don't have him anymore because that's a six-week <laughs> injury. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that's something I'm not I'm not loving this week. Um, so I, I hope they can keep it together. I I I love that they're doing well though. I I like the Rockets. So yeah, I like any team in the West that's not the Warriors, and I do actually like the Warriors. <laughs> I know. And, and you, know, you know how funny that is. It's like, it's like it's like I I hate them, but I love them at the same time. Right. There's it's it, yeah. That's how I feel about them as well. They're so cocky and. You know, it's like you kind of want them to lose, but then, like, they're so good at making basketball look good that you want to keep watching them, you know? So Yeah, and then, um, of course, you know, like we mentioned, Clint Capella, Blake gets hurt, too. So it's like, Jesus, the Warriors are just going to walk on this one, aren't they? <laughs> so Alex, man, you got to wrap this up. What's uh, What's pissing you off in the NBA this week? I don't know how I feel about this. So this is more of like a who am I agnostic about or what <laughs> am I agnostic about? And I want you guys to weigh in on this too, please. Uh, mm-hmm. Because I was reading in, I found an article talking about the CBA, which we discussed last week that you can listen to is episode 18. It's on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, corner3.net. Uh, talking about the, uh, the new rules in the salary cap and things like that. Uh, and they were using Kawhi Leonard as an example. This is a, a Fox Sports article. The uh, If you want to look it up, it is NBA maximum contracts could approach $250 million by 2020. Uh, it was written by Andrew Lynch. So it's on foxsports.com. But the, the, the deal, the example is Kawhi Leonard in this, uh, who has a player option for the 2019-2020 season. I'm just going to read this verbatim from the article. If Leonard becomes a free agent that summer, and if the Spurs labeled him as one of their, quote, designated veterans, Leonard would be eligible to earn 35% of the salary cap in the first year of his new contract for a sum of approximately $42 million, based off of the current projection, and that's just the first year. The new NBA CBA reportedly allows uh, players to earn annual raises of up to 8% of the total of the first year of the contract, or $3.36 million in annual raises over a lifetime of a true max deal. That would bring someone like Leonard, hypothetically, annual salary to, in 2019-2020, $42 million, and by 23-24, up to $55.44 million for the season, for a grand total of a $243.6 million five-year contract. That's insane. That's baseball money. That's baseball that, money. So that, no salary cap in yeah. baseball. Well, it's baseball money, but over a shorter period of time. Yeah. 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 And that's what they, they clued in on Rodriguez's uh, 10-year Rangers deal. And they're like, you know, it's not quite as much money, but it's way more money per year. Yeah. yeah that's a that's a lot of money to drop on somebody. Guaranteed money uh-huh. to drop on somebody. You know, so that, my question is... He could break his leg. Yep. 
my question to you, to, to the both of you, is are the NBA overvaluing mediocrity? Or do these players like LeBron, the Kawhis, um, your, your top five guys, do they deserve that much money? And is this going to lead to even more overspending from NBA teams for players that aren't worth it? I think yes. Um, only because, like, first off, is the player worth it? You know, you're... And they have to be a designated veteran to be offered 35%. But Yeah, because yeah, I saw Steph is like, Steph's on pace to get 207 mil next year. Yeah. So, um, is any player worth it? Yeah, I, I, I see that argument there because I know that there's going to be, like, the school teacher or the, the person, like, the person that's like, well, no one's worth it because the school doesn't make this money and this guy doesn't make this money. I've had that argument many times in my life. I get where they're coming from. Sure. But, um, yeah, I think so, man. I think, you know, it's definitely going to ha- ha- value those guys even more. Like, you know, it's going to make things interesting for Golden State specifically in their case. Like, what the hell happens in two years when you have to re-sign Steph next year and the year after you got to sign, you got to figure out what Kevin Durant's second year is going to be in his deal? That's sure. going to be interesting. You know, you have, but yeah, I I think that could definitely be the case because obviously these players are gonna like it, but like guys like LeBron, like that's not even fair because he's got a billion dollar deal with Nike. He can literally play with the Cavaliers for four dollars a season and still be loaded. Sure, it's interesting because you know, like Alex said, it's gonna bring mediocre pe- me- mediocre people that are playing basketball these huge contracts. You know. And I, I really don't want to see, like, Timothy Mozgov get some kind of ridiculous extension like that. But there are guys, I think, that bring the league money. But there's very few that, like, really, like, define the league. The LeBron Jameses, the Steph Currys, the Kevin Durants, the Russell Westbrooks. Those guys, they're top-tier players. They bring – they're what's, what's, you know, chugging the league along right now. Um I know in the early 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s, after Michael Jordan left, the NBA kind of had kind of an identity crisis because they didn't have, like, that guy uh, for a few years. I mean, Shaq was still huge and everything, but there was not another Jordan. Kobe came out, and then, of course, later on, LeBron was drafted, and he's kind of become that guy since then. <clears throat> I, I just, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if... You know, and I like Kawhi Leonard a lot. I think he's, you know, he's up there with, you know, Jimmy Butler, uh, Paul George, those guys. He's on that tier. I don't know if he's like on the same level as as the LeBrons or the Steph Currys right now to be making that much money. And I think I think there should be some kind of revision that only like a few a few players can make that. There needs to be some sort of. You know, somebody who who has been in the league for, I mean, what, what's 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 NBA league veteran? Is that six years or what is that? What do they call? I'm not I'm not 100 percent sure. Okay, you know, I I think it should probably be like six to eight years, and I and I I feel like you have to have some sort of you should have to have some sort of like you know accolades, whether they're being you know all star appearances, something like that, something that meet makes that mean something to be able to earn that kind of money to, to prove that you're 
bringing the league money. You know what well, I mean? Well, they do have that. They have that uh, for a lot of the younger players. Uh, when Derrick Rose won the MVP, and yeah, the yeah, offered, yeah, yeah, and the Bulls yeah. offered them a huge extension, the yeah. NBA had to create what was basically the Derrick Rose rule. Yeah, which yeah. was like, yeah, if like within your first, I forget however many years, if you win MVP or an NBA Finals cha- or an NBA championship, you can be offered thirty three percent of the team's cap. And that's and that's so. yeah, that's fine. That's fine. But then there's Mike Conley. So, right. like, there's that guy who, great great player, nothing, yeah. nothing. You know what I mean? He he doesn't have any all-star appearances. Uh, you know, he hasn't won a title. That's And, and that's the kind of it, – somebody like but is that, that – it, Is that his fault? No, is it's his not. Fault his, he plays in the West. So, it, at the same time, though, does he not deserve the money because of, like, things that he can't control? No, I, I mean, I – yeah, it's a good point. It's a good point. But at the same time, you know, that's the whole thing about competing. You know, you want to be better. He needs to be better than Steph Curry. Okay, Steph Curry's always going to get that because he's he's one of the best. Same thing with Russell Westbrook, you know. Yeah. And they are they are both better than Mike Conley. Yeah. You agree, right? Absolutely. So, okay, so there's that. That's why, you know, it's it's like, you know, Reggie Jackson had a good season a year ago, you know, but he... <laughs> You know, he's not. Well, that's that's the issue I always hark on, uh, and I always go back to the Richard Lewis deal, which was the The deal that ruined the NBA. (laughs) I I firmly stand by the fact that the NBA players today get paid this much money because of Richard Lewis, because I think fleeced the Orlando Magic. God, but he was uh, such a good piece on that team, man. He was so he good was. on that team. Absolutely, he was. Uh, he wasn't worth the money they were paying him, no. but he was a great piece. Yeah, but that I, I that I mean set such a high bar because he was the best free agent that year. Mm-hmm. So he got the best free agent money. It's the same as when, like, I know we hark back on the Bulls so much, but when they signed Ben Wallace to set that massive deal, it's because he was the best free agent. Yeah, and. It's it's putting all your eggs in one basket, and I feel like a contract like contracts of these size, yeah, we risk you know definitely overpaying for players that aren't quite worth that much money. Yeah, the whole thing's a gamble. It is. You're right. From from draft to retirement, it's just you're gambling. <laughs> but you would think the NBA would kind of be like the one league that like you can kind of like well maybe baseball obviously that you can kind of depend on longevity for because it's not like you know they're not wearing like four pound like very thin helmets getting slammed their head into the wall every i mean slammed their head into the astroturf every every sunday for 10 years straight or anything like that but yeah it's definitely you're right you know the gamble is definitely there and um so it's gonna be fun to watch these next couple weeks for sure but um i saw draymond is not happy about why do i keep bringing up the warriors today i've talked about them three times already draymond's not happy about the team yeah draymond's not happy about the cba but like Draymond Green is becoming, like, I guess what non-Cincinnati Bengal fans can refer to Vontez Burfecht to me. Like, that's how I feel about him now. <laughs> I mean, he's not quite, he hasn't, like, hit Rodman status or anything. He's getting there, though. He is. Oh, I want I mean, that. I want that. That <laughs> you mean, just, you just wrote something on my list of things I didn't know I needed. <laughs> <laughs> he's. I mean, he's he's kind of getting there. I mean, he's not kicking cameraman in the balls. He's kicking every player in the balls. So which is so got much that. Yeah, it is. I mean, and he's doing it so frequently. <laughs> Spray paint I your love... hair, write a book, and put yourself in a dress on the cover, please. And good tag team with Hulk Hogan. <laughs> uh. 
Which is, like, so funny because, uh... Um... You need a diamond cutter from Jimmy Fallon. I'm sorry, there we go. That was all I had to <laughs> I was gonna say. We, we took that to the T. But, yeah, Draymond's definitely gotten to that point. And, uh, well, he's getting... You know, he's not Robin-esque, no. Um, but he's definitely going that way for sure he's on that pace speaking of weird guys on like you know just trying to like bring up the you know the passenger thing did you guys see what patrick beverly said today no tell me he said that he is you know and i don't be wrong here's the thing i really like patrick beverly like i love him in houston if he played for my team i would be happy to have him well mainly because our team has rajon rondo but He's, uh, he compared himself to Gary Payton on his level of defensive ability, and he said he is flat out the best defensive player in the league. Gotta love the confidence. I do, yeah. man. I dig it. Like, do, I you, lo- do, you remember, do you remember the year where he ended up hurting Russell Westbrook? <laughs> <laughs> and yes. then he cost the Thunder the NBA title pretty much that year? They didn't go to the playoffs <laughs> that year. Yeah, that was that was bad. And he was... Uh, he was Man, Russell Westbrook was pissed at him. He was so upset. Oh my god! But you know what? I, I kind of like the uh, the inner villain of of Patrick Beverly. I do too. He's so unassuming. <laughs> you know, he's not Gary Payton. I mean, and he's never gonna be Gary Payton on a defensive level either. But uh, uh, he's uh, he's doing well with that team. So yeah, you know, he is. And, and and they never get rid of him. They just they keep chugging along with him. I I I like that they do that. So. Yeah, I think that there's probably about 16 or 17 teams that would not mind having Patrick Beverly on their team, honestly. Yeah. So, before we move in real touch, we'll touch on the games coming up, obviously, with uh, being the Christmas games here. We'll touch, uh, have that discussion. Uh, real quick, want to get your guys' thoughts here. Um, yesterday, you know, as continued details come out of the new CBA, uh, one other thing that changes is the All-Star Game voting is going to be awfully interesting now, so... You know, we all know what the NBA All-Star Game is. It's three quarters of fun and a fourth quarter that's intense. There is a lot of fun. We have a lot of fun watching it, though. Like, I look forward to All-Star Weekend. I love the three-point shootout. Uh, the past couple of years, the dunk contest has been fun again. We've seen some, like, some brilliant competitions and Aaron Gordon being, like, ridiculous. The one year John Wall one was pretty fun, too. Now, th- the voting is going to go at like this. It's going to be 50% fan vote, 25% player vote, 25% media vote. So, guys, let me ask you, because I always felt like the All-Star Game was quote-unquote for the fans, even though I've been in that argument many times of how is player A and also over player B. Do you guys like this movement? Do you think it still should have been more of a continuous fan vote? How do you feel about about them moving forward with this with the idea for the All-Star Game? Sean, I know how you feel about the fan vote. You want to take this one? How do I feel about the fan vote? <laughs> oh, you're... I, I'm, okay. Well, then I will... I'll tell you. <laughs> I know we've spoke on issues with the fan vote before. Mm-hmm. The one that's always keyed in on is the time that Yi was almost an all-star. Yep. <laughs> yeah, but come on. That would have been well, awesome. <laughs> there, yeah, it would have been awesome. But we, we've seen in the past where when it's a lot of fan voting, it is just a lot of like the big-name players. And it was leading to, I felt like, a lot of players passed their prime. Because I remember there was the year towards the end of Tracy McGrady's career where he was one of the highest vote-getters in the All-Star. And you're like, what? No, like, you're not there. That's not that. Uh, yeah, and, and you know, I still I still agree with that. I have a lot of problems with the All-Star game, but one of the major ones, I, I really hate that they did away with the center position. I, I think it devalues that yes. position. Yes. And there are some good centers in the league, and um, I know 
the last like couple of years that they they had centers, the selection wasn't that great. But they need they need to bring that back. I don't I don't think that's I I, I hate that actually. I absolutely hate that. Um, yeah. But you know, in terms of uh, you said the players are allowed to vote now as well. Yeah, the players get twenty five percent of the vote. I, I hope every single one of them votes for themselves, <laughs> just to screw that up. <laughs> I'm sure that's the exclusion. <laughs> well, yeah. you could do like a like a like a like a roundabout where everybody votes to the player on the right, you know, so everyone would still get a vote, just to screw it up. I think it would be so fun, uh, just to make that that moot. I'm getting kind of tired of seeing like Carmelo Anthony in the starting lineup every year. I am too. Um, you know, yeah. and it's the same. It's the same players every year. Blake, you know, Dwayne Wade, you know, LeBron. LeBron deserves to be there, no doubt. Not not going to take yes. that away from him. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but, uh, but I think there is a strong enough contingency, and if people showed enough agency to do it, we could vote Tim Duncan into the All Star game this year. Hey, we did it with Magic <laughs> Johnson in '92. Well, he he, re- yeah, I guess he he was retired, so yeah. Could, let's write his ass in <laughs> <laughs> just to come in and, and and you know everyone's just gonna pass him the ball and let him do hook shots the whole game so I mean, <laughs> it'll be wonderful he's just wearing a suit but basketball shorts <laughs> no nah, nah man old navy jeans <laughs> even better yeah so I, th- I thought it was interesting um you know because every year there's players that get spurned and sean's absolutely right like because for a while there, if you remember, like, before Andre Drummond and Hassan Whiteside hit their stride, the only good centers in the league were in the West. So, now we have centers that are competitive on both sides, and Pau Gasol doesn't have to start at center in the All-Star game. That doesn't have to happen. But yeah, I, I agree, man. So, it's going to make things interesting, because, like, you're right. Like, Carmelo Anthony should not be the starting four in the, in the, for the Eastern All-Star team. Christoph Porzingis has a very be- has a much better case than he does. So that should be the case, but I doubt that's going to happen. And there's so many good players now, so I think that that's going to make things interesting. Because yeah, you're right. That 50 percent of the players that are going to vote like, what's a bad example I can use? Like Vince Carter into the All Star game when you're going to be like, bro, that's just you loving your childhood. Like it's it's going to be rough. I also kind of you know I, I the one thing I like about baseball is. You're allowed, every team gets gets an all star, right? How? Yeah, but how the hell with the NBA? How are you going to sell well, me the well, Brooklyn Nets having an all star? That's well, interesting. You bring it, that up, Sean and I have discussed this too. <laughs> go ahead, Alex. No, you go ahead, Sean. It's your turn. I I forgot what I was going to say because God. now you brought something up again that I don't remember. I guess. Bro- God damn it. I guess Brooke Lopez could be an all-star. Never mind. Well, we, we talked about that, I know, like, probably, like, ten years ago. Like, why? how come baseball gets every? And the idea we had was throughout the whole course of All-Star Weekend, every team gets represented. Yeah, and I think, I think the NBA does try to do that to some extent, but do you think any, any Brooklyn Nets going to be at All-Star Weekend this year? They got the skills challenge. That's where they all go. Who, who's going to go? I don't know, Jeremy Lin. Jeremy Lin, if he's not hurt, come on. They'll let him coach one of the Rising Stars teams. <laughs> All right, whatever, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. They need to, you know what they need to bring back? They need to bring it back. They did it, I think they did it twice. Horse. Yep. Oh my god, back. that'd be awesome. 
They took it forever. The... <laughs> but it was so awesome because they were shooting it from the bleachers. Oh my god, it was such an incredible thing. It was one of the most fun events I've ever seen at All-Star Weekend. And they did it like, I think, one or two years and they stopped. And it was wonderful. Because it's like the trying to draw a live cartoon of basketball. <laughs> Well, I mean, that's why you put it on in, like, the afternoon or something, you know? It, it right. You know, it's something that goes on. You give it a full hour, you know, and then you have to speed it up at the end. You're, you know, pre-tape it, do whatever. But yeah. I, I miss that. But, yeah, I think everybody needs to be represented at All-Star Weekend. There's some teams that are overrepresented. And, that, you know, I, I understand, like, Zach Levine and Aaron Gord, we're going to see them face off again. That's, you know, that's inevitable. Terrence Ross will great. be in there. I'm gonna be stoked for that with his windmills. There, yeah, uh, there's some teams that there's some. I mean, you'll you'll get Joel Embiid in the rookie game, or they don't even do the rookie. No, game that sucks. I hate that. I, I that's another thing I hate. That's I want the rookie sophomore challenge back because I loved it. Yes, yeah, it doesn't make this 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 whole what 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 what's the what's the gimmick now? What are they doing? It's a mixture of the rising stars. So you, the the maximum is two years in the league. And they have two oh, guys pick the teams. Like I think that, when Orlando had a Penny Hardaway coach with the teams, <clears throat> that's stupid. That's stupid. It needs to be the rookies versus the sophomores because it was still always a good game. Yeah, dude. Like there was the one year because remember Blake, Blake Griffin broke his leg his rookie year. So when he got to play in the rookies all sophomore game, he was teammates with John Wall, and they had that crazy alley oop where like Wall had a bounce pass that went up and like Blake dunked it. I was like, this is fun. We need more of this. And now it's like. You just watch Kyrie Irving break Brandon Knight's ankles, and that's that's all it is now. Who are rookies at the same time? Well, well, I, I think it would be nice if they even just went back and just did the East versus West rookies again, like they used to. Um, I remember watching one game. I think it was it was '97. Was that the year that Tim Duncan was drafted? Yeah, that was it. Yeah, and he didn't play in the rookie challenge because he got voted to the actual All Star game. So Ilgauskas killed everybody in the Schick rookie game that year and ended up winning the trophy. And no one had ever heard of him before. That was like his coming out party. And, uh, you know, it would just, I just think it would be nice to see some of these rookies. It it would give them a a chance to kind of get some, some playing time. And, you know, I I don't know. National exposure. Yeah, I agree. Like, Like guys like Malcolm Brockton, who was a second rounder, is having a hell of a year for Milwaukee. Guys yeah. like Jamal Murray, who is really coming to his own in Denver, like, yeah, I'm with you. Like, give do this, do that game, man, because that was fun. Like, I do miss that. Like, no one forget the 03 rookie sophomore challenge of LeBron, Wade, and Melo on the same team oh, taking, taking it to yeah. the 2002 draft. Like, that was awesome. Yeah. I want to make a bold All-Star game prediction, but it's not that bold because it came close to it last year. Okay. But th- this, the 2017 NBA All-Star game, the winning team will have scored at least 200 points. <laughs> who was All Star huh. game, game MVP last year? It wasn't Kobe. It was a, the West won. Was it, was it Kyrie Irving? He did win it one year. I don't know if it was last year. Let's was see. It, who was it last year? Russell Westbrook. That's was, right. Okay. That was my. That's how I. Yeah. 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 For next week's show, we got to go through every NBA team and find an all-star on every roster. <laughs> you guys think I'm joking? Well, yeah. John Kilpatrick, baby. <laughs> dude, he's a, dude, don't even joke. Don't joke about I'm not, SK. I'm not joking, man. <laughs> I'm all about SK being in the all-star game. Don't tempt me. Don't yep. excite me with that. All right, guys. So we are now coming up here in a couple days, like we mentioned. It is going to be 
one of our favorite days in the year, especially if you're an NBA fan, not just for the fantastic holiday of friends and family. Christmas is friends, family, hoops, presents, and basketball, most importantly. Notice I mentioned hoops and basketball in there at the same time. And we have a full slate of great games today. Five Christmas Day games this year, starting at noon. And the last game starts at 10.30. So we have Knicks Celtics, then the classic Warriors-Cavaliers finals rematch, followed by Bull Spurs, followed by Timberwolves Thunder, followed by Lakers Clippers. One of those games is really not like the other. But um, a lot of fun stuff there. You know, we're going to talk a little bit about the, the games, what we're looking forward to. And obviously, we don't, I think we all know what our game of the week is going to be in that situation. Timberwolves Thunder, obviously, guys. Come on. Um, so, I bet the NBA wishes they could have changed that one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Flex it out like the NFL does. Yeah. So, you know, and that being said, like, there's been a lot of really awesome Christmas Day games over the years, whether it be drama, intensity, awesome moments, the league coming back from lockout. Um, so just kind of curious when to talk about that real quick. You guys thoughts on like some of your favorite Christmas day games. The one in particular I wanted to mention was 93. Cause that was, um, the bulls magic Christmas game. It was Jordan was retired. Uh, it was Pippen and Q coach running the show against Shaq and Penny and, uh, Alex. I mean, Sean, that was like, that was the kind of like when people were realizing people already knew how good Penny was, but that game, he was spectacular, even, even in a losing fashion. So I remember that one pretty well, even though I was pretty young and Pippen like, Running the show without Jordan for 28 points, and was just on, was, was on fire that night. Yeah, you know, it, it's funny that you mentioned that game because the very, very, very first NBA game that I ever watched was the following year, a year to the day, actually, where the New York Knicks played the Bulls in 94, and the Bulls won by three. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, and, and Scottie Pippen was, like, stupid good that day. He had 36 points. And uh, he was, I, I remember watching that and just thinking to myself, I was like, man, he, he's really good even without Jordan. Right. <laughs> but he was like on MVP level those, both those years really. So, uh, I mean, he's one shot away from being in the finals in 94, if you remember. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, there was a phantom foul that happened. So yeah, kind of, <clears throat> but uh, yeah, that was, that's funny that you mentioned that, but yeah, that was a, uh, yeah, that was probably I, I I didn't watch that game, the Orlando one, but that's I didn't even know they played them the year before, so that's that's cool. Yeah, that was Shaq and Penny's first Christmas Day game and they were like awesome. Um you know, I still think Shaq and Penny are the most dynamic duo that didn't win a championship. I think that's easy to say, besides maybe Peyton and Kemp. I would like to see that match up in two on two in their primes. Yeah. But yeah, I think that, that was um you know, that that's a huge Christmas Day game, so that was what I want to touch on. I also wanted to bring up of course, um my favorite Christmas Day game ever is 04. Um, Shaq just traded to Miami after the, the breakup. Uh, Kobe without Peyton, Kemp, without Peyton, Malone, or Shaq. Going out there with Mark Madsen, Luke Walton, D. Fish, Devin George, and crew. And takes the Heat to overtime, where the Heat do end up winning 104-102. Uh, D. Wade is a huge game. Kobe puts in 42 in a losing fashion. But the thing that stands out to me most, because that was during that Shaq and Kobe heat drama of everything going on, there's the opening tip-off when everyone's shaking hands. Shaq and Kobe don't even look at each other, give each other side knuckle bumps. And the end of the game, I think it was actually Rachel Nichols, is interviewing Shaq, and she goes, you know, what did you feel about Kobe and everything in that game? And he said, I just want to wish everyone a Merry Christmas and leaves. <laughs> he fouled out that game, didn't he? Yep. Okay. Classic Shaq. 
those are some of my favorite Christmas Day games. So, any, anything you guys want to bring up, any, any ones that touch uh, particularly with you? Sean, I know there's a certain Bulls recent Christmas game not too far back that you were very excited and loved very much from the return of the lockout. Yeah, that was that was a good one. Winning winning game shot, uh, Derrick Rose over top of, like, literally, like, centimeters over the fingertips of Pal Gasol throwing in a floater over him. Uh, great way to start the season, I'll tell you. That was also the year that he uh, tore his ACL the first time. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. So at least there was one good memory. <laughs> Alex, anyone that jumps out at you that you remember vividly or love the most or fond Christmas memories of performances? You guys touched on both of them. I was going to go. I had uh, Heat Lakers 04 and Bulls Lakers 11, uh, mainly for the same reasons, too, just because one of the drama and then Bulls Lakers because it was the first game of the season after the lockout and everything and just the way that game ended. And I still remember uh, Sean blowing up my phone when they won. He's like, Derrick Rose just hit the best shot I've ever seen. <laughs> it's this game yeah. is great bulls win i'm like awesome that, that's fantastic but uh yeah I, th- those are those are my two those are, i don't really ever get a chance to watch the christmas games yeah last year so. wasn't much fun like that was the first time they did warriors Cavs on christmas and the warriors blew them out like really bad uh, i think lebron got kicked out of that game if i remember something like that so that one wasn't as fun though no. <clears throat> yeah, last year was kind of uneventful. Bulls beat the Thunder. I remember that. I watched that. Yeah, because um, the year before was, was like... the first Warriors-Clippers fight, if I remember. <clears throat> yeah, they, they're always fun. I, I love I love Warriors-Clippers. Wish wish they didn't live on the West Coast so I could watch more of those. <laughs> well, this year you get the Lakers and Clippers at 1030 at night in the Staples Center, where I'm sure the Lakers are the home team, because why wouldn't they be on national TV between those two, right? Right. <laughs> so, you know, you get to watch D- D'Angelo Russell, the up-and-comer, go against the wise veteran Chris Paul. And Julius Randle gets out of field day on whoever they have fill in for Blake Griffin's minutes. Let's talk about this year's games, guys. So, obviously, you know, the big one is Bulls. I mean, it's not Bulls. Jesus Christ, Tim. Get your head out of your ass. Is Cavaliers, Warriors, back-to-back NBA Finals rematch, Christmas rematch, uh, like I mentioned last, you know, last year's game being a crazy blowout. Uh, this is a Cavaliers team that is clicking on all cylinders. You can say the same about the Warriors. Uh, this is Kevin Durant's first time playing in this game. This is Kevin Durant's first major game with the War- a regular season game as a member of the Warriors. And of course, it's got to be against the dangling carrot that's in front of his face year after year after year, being LeBron James. So, Alex, how pumped are you for the infamous? Our Brit- what could potentially be our brand new Lakers Celtics rivalry of our generation? Clip- Cavaliers Warriors on Christmas Day. I'm going Warriors. I think because I- loves out right for that game, and then oh, he's listed as out already on Cleveland's injury list along with uh, Chris Anderson. So I think that's kind of what a, a major loss that is to Birdman. <laughs> I know. No, I I just think this is going to be. I feel like. In a one-game series, the Warriors are going to win more often than not. But I feel like if you stretch it to seven, that's where Cleveland's always going to kind of like grind you out. Mm-hmm. And they, Cleveland is just the buzzsaw of the NBA playoffs. Yes. I feel like they can stretch out a seven-game series just to be absolutely destructive on whoever they're playing against. But if you go against one-on-one, like one night, anyone can win. 
I think the Warriors have a better chance, but if it comes down to the finals again, I'm probably going to put my money on Cleveland. I, I'm the same way. Um, I like the Warriors to win this one, too. I just think that this goes back to that kind of like, and I know we harp on this a lot, how like there's always those teams that beat LeBron really bad in the regular season, and then come postseason time, like you said, he just goes crazy. Golden State's one of those teams, and we've seen that since you know this really started, this like big, like these two teams coming at it. Because, you know, people talk about the Warriors like they're a super team, which they are. Like, don't act like the Cavaliers aren't a super team. Let, let's not play that game. You know, they have sure. three, all, they have they three superstars. So, this is the battle <clears throat> of the super teams. This is, you know, if Love is healthy, like I said, so I know he has the contusion. So, he, he I know he's out for sure uh, earlier in the week, so he might be out for that game also. Um, but the only thing where I think Cleveland could win this game, and I already kind of mentioned a little bit of it, Sean, is for some reason, Kevin Durant against... Every other player in the league, you're like you can bet on him. For some reason, when he plays LeBron, and I know he has to win, and he won one of the finals games in that Thunder Heat championship the year, the first time the Heat won, um, where he was like outstanding. He was really good through that series. I think Russ really lost that series more than he did. Um, but for some reason, Kevin Durant cannot get over the hump that is LeBron James. No, he that that's his kryptonite. Just like some people couldn't get it over the hump of Jordan, and some people couldn't get over the hump of Kobe. Yeah, you're right. He, he's just that guy. He is the hump. He he might be the bad luck guy. I don't know. Well, LeBron kind of had that hump till the finals with Steph. I mean, like you know, obviously, yeah. Like, you know, there was last year's finals, and then like the two regular season games, like that one was an oracle. So you had to think that like the cat, the words are going to be on fire on Christmas last year. But like, look at the game in January in Cleveland. Like Steph was. Lights out. I think they won by twenty six. So yeah, yeah, you're right. Like that is the case. LeBron, LeBron's white whale was just Tim Duncan. <laughs> I, I keep thinking about how the Warriors, what they could do to actually solidify being completely awesome, and they don't have a center. They no. somehow they need to get Nerlens Noel. <laughs> they need to get him. I was going to touch on got, that a little later in the show. Yeah. If if they got him. Somehow, it's over. <laughs> do we know that Nerlens Noel is good at basketball, though? Like, do we have something where we see, like, damn, that... He, he, he is good in in small defensive stretches, and that's exactly what they would need him in. Because they play small ball so much anyway, they would just need him to essentially be Andrew Bogut for a few quarters. So, for a few minutes. That's it. Well, they have JaVale so... McGee. He basically is the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, but he's a knucklehead. It's different. Yeah. You know? There was the not a knucklehead? <clears throat> what? There was the not a knucklehead? Did you see those comments last week? Well, dude, he wants to play, man. He, I get it. He's not, he's, he's not wrong. They got three centers on that team. And Jaleel and is not that... good. No. I mean, no, well, you know what? I, I, don't, I don't think he's bad. I don't think he's bad. I just... I. They, they got too much going on right now, so <laughs> those guys, they all need to be separated. All of them. Yeah. So. I understand. <laughs> so, yeah, I think I'll take the dubs on Christmas Day. Um, yep. I have a feeling that that's going to be a day where Steph and Clay go nuts, and I think Kevin Durant's probably going to add about 22. 22 points, not 20 also. That's how I meant that, so. I'm looking forward to that one. Uh, the other three games, you know, obviously I know we want to touch on Bulls Spurs, Pal Gasol going against them already. The Bulls have a win against them this year. Butler versus Kawhi is going to be excellent. So, are the other games that even that really jump out to you guys, particular one that you want you're looking forward to seeing? Isaiah versus Derrick Rose, right, guys? Right? 
right? Nah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and because I have a 50% chance of being right, the Lakers are going to beat the Clippers. Yeah. <laughs> and because I have a 100% chance of being right, well, an L.A. team is going to win a basketball game on Christmas Day. <laughs> there you uh, go. Some will go, I'm happy. And it is a home game for the Lakers. I knew it. Called it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's going to be interesting there. Um, yeah, I think that I'm looking forward to um, Russ probably getting a Christmas Day triple-double. I'm pretty sure that's going to happen. So, yeah, it's going to be fun. Big surprise. Yeah. <laughs> and then the next night, the Bulls play the Pacers, where they will wrap up all four games with the Pacers before 2017. Love it. <laughs> that makes sense. All right, guys, so we're going to wrap up this week's edition of the Quarter 3 Podcast as we get you ready for Christmas Day spectacular NBA game. So I'll be after the team here, everyone. Have a Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Enjoy the time with your family. Um, enjoy the games of basketball. Hopefully we see some awesome performance so we can come back next week and talk about. So enjoy the time, everyone, and uh, have a good one. Thanks for listening to the Corner 3 Podcast, weekly tales of the NBA's hardwood from the suburbs of Cincinnati. Be sure to add us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and check out our brand new website at thecorner3.net.